Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares, and by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy to have you back here again this week. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of the program you're listening to, which is called The Last Symptom. If you'll remember, last week we addressed quiet borderline personality disorder. And here was an actual response I got to last week's episode. The person who has borderline personality disorder tells me, no, you're wrong about quiet BPD. You don't know because you don't have it. (laughs) Uh, Do you catch that? The person with borderline personality disorder is saying to me, the person who once had it, but figured it out enough to rid myself of it entirely, that my not having borderline personality disorder is proof that I don't know what I'm talking about and that she does. That's a that's an interesting conclusion to reach. Today's topic, persistent feelings of abandonment and worthlessness. It's going to be kind of a short show today, I, I've got a feeling. But that's because I've got a lot of things happening, some big plans for this weekend, which I'll tell you about here in a second. But first, let me tell you about thelastsymptom.com. That's my website for free resources that I I hope you'll take advantage of. Also, at thelastsymptom.com are some paid services, and that's what uh, enables me to continue doing the work that I'm doing. So, one-on-one phone conversations with me can be scheduled at thelastsymptom.com, as well as one-on-one Zoom conversations with me. You know, Zoom is, is all the rage these days. And finally, and most recently, something I began offering is called uh, The Last Symptom Fundamentals Course. It's a pre-recorded video, two-week intensive course, meant to provide you with a flood of insights that can really change your entire approach to recovery and totally change your understanding of the things you're dealing with. Now listen... I don't want you going without groceries or, you know, I don't want you to skip paying your electric bill to enroll in the the Last Symptom Fundamentals course. But if you can afford it, even if you have to save up a little bit for it, if you can afford it, then it's worth doing. It's far superior 
to any of these programs like DBT. Informatively, it's a much superior wealth of information. So, I would like to encourage you. You know, if you're suffering from an emotional disorder and you're genuine about not wanting to be living the way you have been for the rest of your life, then this course is for you. You know, the course alone is not going to cure you. But then again, nothing is ever going to cure you. You will have to cure yourself. But what have I always told you is the uh, the formula for the authentic cure from borderline personality disorder. Well, number one's hope. You first have to believe that it's something that you can rid yourself of. Number two, sincerity and approach. Number three, accurate information or education. And, and that's where the last symptom fundamentals course comes in. It is thorough, it's accurate, more accurate and refined than you're going to find in most sources of information out there. So what comes after then? We've, we've mentioned the first three ingredients, hope, sincerity and approach, accurate education. What comes next? Insight. Insight. So you've got to apply your own insight as well. And then finally, number five is time. Time. To allow these things to take hold in your life and for you to begin experiencing the benefits from them. I mentioned those five ingredients just to highlight how no one thing is going to cure you a borderline personality disorder. No program you can enroll into is going to fix you if you're not including these other ingredients that are also necessary. But uh, I'll tell you this, that the, the last symptom fundamentals, two-week fundamentals course, is just uh, it's going to knock your socks off. And um, a little bit more on that, I told you I had some kind of big plans for this weekend. Well, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be getting together with those who are currently enrolled in the Last Symptom Fundamentals course or who have already finished the Last Symptom Fundamentals pre-recorded course and we're going to get to hear what they think about the experience. Some of them uh, are just getting started. Some of them have been in there for a week or so. Uh, some of them have finished and are going through it for like the third or fourth time. So you're going to get to hear a lot of different feedback from uh, these folks who are, who are currently taking the course or who have finished the course. They're going to let us know just what it's all about and what they think about it, any complaints they have, the highlights, uh, that sort of thing. So if you've been on the fence about it, uh, maybe it'll help you come to a decision and decide if it's something that's for you or for somebody you love. So that's what I'm going to be doing this weekend. It's not the only thing I'm going to be doing, but it's one of the things I'm going to be doing this weekend. Getting together with uh, the Last Symptom Fundamentals course alumni and interviewing them. I'm really excited about that. What are you going to be doing this weekend? Whatever it is, I hope it's going to be something nice for yourself. If you would like something interesting to research and and read about and look up some pictures of, I've got something for you. Do an internet search for something called the Graffiti Highway 
in Pennsylvania. The Graffiti Highway, have you ever heard of it? It's pretty cool. You're going to enjoy it. Basically, it's just this huge, long stretch of highway that was abandoned a while back, and uh, folks would come and they would graffiti up the highway. But if you look on the internet, there's all these great aerial pictures of the graffiti highway. I've been there, and unfortunately, they just recently covered it over because it got like a private owner. And during COVID, during this pandemic, Uh, all sorts of people were going out there and it was creating this great health hazard and all that so the current owners of that land had it covered over with dirt but it's still pretty cool to go on the internet and read about it and uh, see the pictures and by the way uh, it's by ghost town and in addition to this graffiti highway there's also a slow very slow underground coal fire it it burns just below the surface of the of the ground and it's been burning there for i think since the 60s or something like that uh so first time i learned about it was my ex-wife when you know when i was living in philly my ex-wife told me about this place and i just thought man that's cool that's just really cool so look that up you'll enjoy it and finally The only other news I've got for you that is not related to recovering from emotional disorder, but uh, is just for fun, is that I got up early this morning. Then I drove about an hour away to a college town where I had an appointment with a guy. And that guy put a tattoo on my arm. That's right. I've got a brand new tattoo on my arm. You know, it's a big, long process doing something like that. First of all, is coming up with an idea. You know, I don't want somebody else's tattoo, and I don't want to just pick a tattoo out of a scrapbook. You know, I want I want something that's going to be really personal to me. So that takes forever. I don't, if you've ever done it, you know what I'm talking about. You just take it takes forever to figure out something good that you want to put on your body then comes the whole process of figuring out where you want to put it you know you spend all this time thinking up something great and then you got to figure out which buttock to put it on well i didn't put it on my buttock i put it on my arm but that i'm just illustrating how that was a big old process too just trying to decide where to go where to put it then you got to decide how big is it going to be and do you want any collar in there or is it just going to be black and white and on and on and on then the next step for me anyway is setting it aside and letting a few weeks pass by and the purpose for that is to make sure that this really is something that you like you know you come up with something one second it seems like just such a great idea <laughs> then you wait for a couple weeks and you look back at it and you go eh it's 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 not that great after all so you wait a few weeks just to make sure that it's something that you really like then you have to start researching tattoo artists you don't want just any schmuck doing it to you you know so you've got to find the right person and if he's any good or if she's any good often you have to make an appointment because they've got stacked schedules so 
that's what I did. I went through this whole huge process and finally drove off this morning and got my tattoo done. So it looks pretty nice. I like it. And uh, I'm happy to share it with you. What I'm going to do is I'll post a little miniature video on the official Last Symptom YouTube channel and maybe also on the official Last Symptom Instagram page. So those of you who are interested in seeing it, uh, there you go. I'm probably the only one who's interested in my tattoo, but if you'd like to see it, you, you'll be able to see it at, uh, on YouTube and also on Instagram. Just look up The Last Symptom. You know, it's, uh, it's nothing too elaborate. It's just it's a little homage to, to my background and my culture and the woods and, and my dog even is in there. It's just a little poetic verse I come up with. But boy, I'll tell you this. It hurt. <laughs> it hurt a lot more than uh, than I remembered a tattoo hurting. But maybe it was just the placement of the tattoo. He, that feller, he curled my toes a few times. He sure did. All right. Moving on to today's topic. Remember, I said that we were going to talk about persistent feelings of abandonment and worthlessness. You know, maybe you feel like this person on my Facebook education group who, you know, she's been she's been trying, she's been doing the work, and yet uh, she kind of feels stuck in place when it comes to these feelings of uh, worthlessness, of feeling empty, and also these fears of abandonment. So here's her original comment. She says, "I often find myself feeling worthless." And by the way, I have altered her words just a little bit here just to make them flow a little better and to avoid any kind of confusion for my listeners but she says I often find myself feeling worthless empty abandoned I keep wondering what is the way out of this type of thinking I feel like I'm stuck with these feelings I feel like I'm somehow missing the most important aspects of what I'm learning from the last symptom I understand that my feelings of abandonment come from being dealt that way in my childhood and I understand that I don't need to fear abandonment and now since I'm an adult who's capable of taking care of myself but I'm struggling to navigate through these feelings I listened to the last symptom podcast but I need help in knowing how to understand and navigate through these feelings Well, when a person feels worthless and empty, it's because this is what the person truly believes, his or her nature is. Now, that probably seems like the most obvious statement at all time, but it's, it's really not. Think about it. If you're walking around feeling worthless and empty, those feelings don't come from somebody who believes that they have value. Folks, I swear to criminy, as soon as I sit down and I press record, cars start driving by, airplanes start flying overhead. I'm not kidding you. There's an airplane flying overhead right now. Uh, the lady starts mowing her grass next door. Uh, it's just unbelievable to me because I'll be sitting here for 30 minutes getting my thoughts in order and there won't be any noise outside. The moment I hit record, every 
person without a muffler from a hundred mile radius I swear comes driving right by my house helicopters and airplanes and lawnmowers it's just it's very ironic it is really something I wish you could see it but anyway let's get back to the topic here so we were we were talking about how when a person feels worthless and empty it's not because they perceive themselves as having value you don't get contradictory results like that you know if I'm walking around believing that I'm, I'm great I have value I'm a good person if I really believe these things then my resulting feelings will be evidence of it but if I'm walking around feeling worthless and empty where is the only place that can come from well the only place it can come from is that a person perceives himself or herself as worthless and like I, I said a minute ago that seems very obvious but it's it's not obvious to many people and it's worth stopping and thinking about the significance of that you know we often talk about inherent value uh, it's one of the pillars of my work right we talk about it all the time I bring it up often even when the primary topic that we're talking about does not directly deal with that subject it, it often finds its way into this program likewise no matter what topic we're discussing typically we bring up how that is connected to a belief that one is worthless and the way I usually word that is that a person perceives himself or herself as devoid of inherent value well another way of saying it, that is that a person looks at themselves and sees himself or herself as worthless and that you know this is at the root of of all the problems that anybody with emotional disorder is dealing with so many people listen to this program intellectually they get it and maybe you've been working hard on trying to undo those underlying erroneous perceptions about yourself and maybe you feel like you're just not getting the results you think you should be getting so let, let's just talk about it for a second it it doesn't work to simply try to treat yourself as if you are not worthless if beneath everything you you still perceive yourself as worthless now I have uh, encouraged you to treat yourself well anyway you need to get into the habit of doing that uh, whether you believe you're worthless or not you need to get into the habit of treating yourself well what I'm saying is that just treating yourself well will not reverse these fundamental beliefs that a person lives with these fundamental erroneous perceptions about the nature of self just treating yourself well is not going to reverse and fix those those underlying perceptions because you still have to do the work to see exactly how how these notions of your worthlessness were communicated to you throughout your life by your parents or your caregivers see the way that you get rid of them is first understanding very well seeing very well how they got there you have to do the work to see how your parents have communicated in their behaviors in their attitudes in their words sometimes 
that your value is not inherent to you that you that you have to earn value as a person you which is a lie your value as a person does not come from your accomplishments or from how pretty you are or how many races you won in gym class or how much money you have but in most cases it's in very very subtle ways that our parents communicate to us as children that we don't have inherent value when you don't perceive yourself as having inherent value the only alternative is well my value then has to come from external things you know, maybe your parents didn't treat you very well if you got poor grades in school but when you got good grades in school maybe they treated you a lot better do you see how that would communicate that your value as a person depends on external things like how well you do in school maybe they only showed concern for your feelings when the what you were feeling made sense to them in that moment but if it didn't make sense to them in that moment then they thought you were being foolish for feeling what you felt you know what does that communicate it communicates that your feelings are dependent on some external person first giving them value right some external person has to agree that you're feeling the correct thing before your feelings matter and do you see that that once that belief is settled then you don't believe your your feelings inherently matter right because when we say inherently matter we mean that on their own regardless of anything external they just matter but you can see how if you got that sort of treatment from your parents then the message is your feelings do not have inherent value neither do you so I'm just coming up with some examples here to sort of try to stimulate you into doing the rest of the work on your own this you've got to do this type of work analyzing your parents attitudes and seeing as clear as day the ways that they communicated to you that you do not have inherent worth as a person what's the next step well the next step is to see how those messages are false were false and are false right because if you can see clearly first of all how those things were communicated how you received those messages so that as a child you begin to adopt this perception about yourself and your feelings once you can see it clearly then you can start undermining it you can start proving to yourself why those messages were false I've said in the past you know it's very helpful for us to see how unhealthy our parents were because once we once we're able to see how unhealthy they are we know that the messages that came from them were, were bullshit They're, they weren't trustworthy at all right they weren't communicating healthy accurate things to us through their attitudes and behaviors do you see how this 
this is the process of beginning to undermine these solid erroneous perceptions uh, that exist beneath everything that you are so it's a process you're trying to reverse and listen to this you're trying to reverse underlying perceptions about what about the very nature of reality as you have been used to perceiving it think about how enormous that is you're trying to reverse underlying perceptions about the very nature of reality as you are used to perceiving it that's a big job but it's doable you can do it but not from one day to the next you have to allow yourself the time to dismantle these things in specific ways right you're looking at your parents their behaviors their attitudes you have to see clearly in specific ways how they for years communicated that your feelings don't inherently matter and neither do you once you can clearly see how they did that you can begin dismantling those messages you can begin undermining them proving to yourself that they're absolutely false it's partly intellectual but it can't only be intellectual even more important than intellectually getting it or i mean in, intellectually understanding that this is what happened that this is how you adopted these perceptions about your feelings and yourself more more important than intellectually understanding this more important is the emotional aspect of it right your feelings coming to accept that contrary to the messages you received growing up that the opposite is actually true that you really do have worth again it's important to intellectually understand this but that's not the most important thing the most important thing is your feelings coming to accept that you really do have worth simply for being you there's nothing else that has to be done to earn value as a person being a person means you just do have value you know it's a it's a part of being a human individual it comes with being a person so intellectually one may understand this but do you know that denial is not a matter of us just intellectually not understanding a thing denial is our feelings outright rejecting or rebelling against a reality our feelings say I, I can't believe that I, I don't want to believe that it's wrong for me to believe that so I imagine that there are listeners who are going through a stage right now where your feelings just simply have not had time to soften and allow for the truth that you do have worth. In fact, I can also imagine that inside of you, there's, there's a real war going on where, you know, the part of you that is convinced by these erroneous messages you got from your parents, that part 
is arguing furiously against the notion that you could possibly have value just for being you. Right, so Im imagine it like a courtroom drama going on inside of you. There's that side of you who's saying, no, you know better than that. You know better than to believe that you have worth just because you're you. That's ridiculous. But then you've got some good lawyers inside of you, right? And hopefully my voice is one of them. And that part of you wants to care for yourself and wants to win this case, this courtroom drama. So those good lawyers inside of you need to keep arguing until they've just proven uh, the prosecutor to be a buffoon, to, to not know what on earth he's talking about, that you do have worth just for being you. And that all those subtle and not-so-subtle messages from your childhood were f totally false, unreliable, not trustworthy at all. Why? Because they came from unhealthy people who didn't know what they were what, what they were talking about. Who did not have healthy attitudes, healthy, accurate attitudes about these things. As for abandonment, it is important to remind yourself constantly that adults can't be abandoned. You know, there, there's only one group of people who live in a state of dependence where they can be abandoned. Do you know what group of people that is? Children. Yeah, that's right. Only children live in a state of dependence so that they can be abandoned. Adults do not live in a state of dependence on, on somebody else, which means that the idea that an adult can be abandoned is just malarkey. It, it's not possible for adults to be abandoned. They're not dependent on other people for their needs. Rather, I should say, for getting their needs met. It's true that the persistent feelings of a fear of abandonment are leftover fears from childhood. That's true. But don't forget the other element also that's... that's just as important. They also are a direct result of perceiving yourself as devoid of inherent value. I meant to mention that in oh, a couple episodes back we were talking about something similar here. Oh, I know what it was. The, the black and white thinking episode. I was talking about how uh, your parents truly did not provide you with reliability and comfort. Uh, the comfort that comes from reliability and I said that you, you did not have the security growing up that at any time you wouldn't be left on a street corner somewhere which would be a death sentence because you depend on adults for your needs to get your needs met and when talking about how they were insufficient in providing you that that comfort that comes from reliability I, I did mention about how they were unreliable in many ways in many of your emotional in fulfilling many of your emotional needs right so as a child you figured out that if they're unreliable in providing for me in this way which is 
sort of a fundamental aspect of their responsibilities. If they're unreliable in this, then they're also unreliable in these other areas too. What I forgot to mention, which I'm, I'm glad I get to mention it now, is that it's not just that. The other aspect of it is they've, con- they've, they've convinced you on an unconscious or subconscious level that you're devoid of inherent value, that your value is not inherent to you. And think about the implications of that. Things that are devoid of value get thrown away, don't they? But do things that have value get thrown away? Not not on purpose. So think of a diamond, for example. You don't just throw a diamond away. And you are a diamond. But wadded up piece of dirty paper that has no purpose in your life that gets thrown away because it has no value to you well that's a problem you know when a person perceives himself or herself as being devoid of value of inherent value they say well nobody has any reason not to throw me away or not to leave me on a street corner Think about uh, the reason a diamond would get mistreated or thrown away. Would a diamond get mistreated or thrown away because it has no value? Uh Uh-uh. Diamonds just do have value, right? So what's it mean if if, uh, a diamond gets mistreated or thrown away? What it means is that it's got really stupid or ignorant owners... That's the only thing that means. It doesn't mean that it has no value. It means that the people with the diamond are really ignorant or stupid. That's the only way they mistreat a diamond or throw it away or uh, don't value, don't value it. You're a diamond. The fact that your parents did not treat you like a diamond does not mean you don't have value. It means they didn't know what the hell they were doing. It means they were ignorant. And that seems like a strong term, right? But ignorant just really means that a person just, uh, they don't know what they don't know. A follow-up question to this conversation, somebody said, if family members constantly you know, hold us in place and bring back up these feelings of worthlessness every time we're around them. Is it still possible to spend time with them and at the same time escape these types of feelings and erroneous perception? Well, there's going to be a day after a person has genuinely eliminated these terribly unhealthy underlying perceptions about the nature of their feelings and themselves when they will be able to spend time around unhealthy people and not have it affect them right because you see you see how their thinking is wrong you can see it from a mile away and it's it's not going to convince you of anything you've already escaped that you've already been there you you know it's all baloney so when you see it and you you just know it's 
and you identify it as just unhealthy, stupid thinking or erroneous thinking, you recognize it for what it is and it, it has no power over you. So there will be a day f- for that once you've escaped these things in an authentic way, right? If you're still walking around feeling worthless and empty, even though you know intellectually that you are not worthless, it means that you're still perceiving yourself as worthless. Even if you know intellectually that you're not worthless, because I've told you you're not, if you're still walking around feeling worthless and empty, it can only be because the truth is that beneath it all, you're still perceiving yourself, the nature of yourself, in that unhealthy way. You're trying to escape that, right? You're trying to escape these false, terribly damaging perceptions. So right now, many of you are going through recovery and and still wrestling with doubts, maybe even uh, unconscious doubts, as to whether or not you really do have worth or not. And this is to be expected, you know, as I say, it's a process. A person will know that he or she is authentically free of emotional disorder when his or her life reflects that of somebody who knows that his or her value is inherent to him or her and that one's feelings also always matter. Once your life is reflective of this, that means you're free of emotional disorder. You see, external things will no longer have any power over you. You won't any longer measure your worth on external things and your behaviors won't be a product of these unhealthy beliefs won't be the product of a need to fit some external superficial notion of what you need to be in order to have value you will view yourself as an individual and you'll have a solid healthy understanding of what that means and doesn't mean you know nobody else needs to agree or like anything about your life or about yourself Only you do, because it's your life. And you're you. They're not you. You're you. You'll understand that people aren't objects. People aren't property. There aren't some people who live with more value as people. You know, I'm not saying there there aren't some carpenters that are better carpenters than other carpenters. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying as a person, there are not some people who live with more value just as a as people than any other people and so on you know you're, you'll be making these uh, adjustments to your perceptions about things and you'll be free but until all this happens until you have truly eradicated these erroneous perceptions about your inherent worthlessness which is not a thing because nobody is inherently worthless, but that's, that's what you're living with. Until you achieve that and you eliminate that, that misperception about yourself and about your feelings, it is very, very, very wise to limit your exposure and influence to unhealthy people, even if they are your family. Remember what the uh, standard is. Whatever is not more greatly contributing to our health has to go. So it's like a teeter-totter. 
It doesn't only have to contribute to our health because that's not reasonable. Not even we would then fit that qualification. But if it's a teeter-totter, or you, you, know, you probably call it a seesaw, then it has to at least be tilting a little bit on the side of uh, contributing to your emotional health rather than contributing to your emotional unhealth. Another way to say it is it's got to be at least slightly contributing more greatly to your peace and contentment than it is detracting from your peace and contentment. That's, that's the qualification. It applies even to family. You just got to ask yourself, what is most important to me? Appeasing my unhealthy family who will keep me uh, unhealthy and miserable for forever? Or getting some distance from them so that I can have clarity of thought and escape, escape these very subtle and persistent messages that I am not, that I don't have inherent worth and that my feelings don't matter. What is more important to you? Well, in my personal case, I had, I had to analyze my life and I had to clean house. Now, nowadays, uh, I have relaxed a little bit as far as some of the people I allow myself to spend time with, but but not too much because I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with those types of thinking anymore. right? It, it's not harmonious with the way I live anymore. And so I don't want to be around it, e- even if those people are my family. Uh, you know, I love them. I hope the best for them. And I don't want anything to, I don't want them in my life. They don't contribute good things to my life. So it, until you reach a certain level within your recovery where you have you know, mostly eradicated these profoundly unhealthy perspectives about feelings and self and life, it is it's very wise to limit your exposure and influence around these sorts of people. Because, you know, the truth is, in the beginning, when you're trying to escape these skewed types of thinking, it's already very hard. It's already very hard to escape these unhealthy perceptions that you've lived with for your entire life. You know, that's a struggle in itself. But then let's say that you, you're constantly around other people who think in those same unhealthy ways. It's very hard uh, enormously hard then to have the clarity of thought to not get pulled back in to those unhealthy perceptions and ways of thinking unhealthy people you know what they want to do they only want to drag you back in and keep you thinking like they do right because they don't know anything different They, they haven't done the work you're doing they're satisfied with their erroneous, unhealthy perceptions. Hopefully one day that'll change, but for right now, they're satisfied living that way. And they think you're a nut for questioning you know, the way that for them is, is just the, the right way of seeing the world, right? They, don't, they think you're, you're crazy 
for even questioning it. It reminds me of, oh, like, the troublemakers, you know, when I was in my teenage, when I was in my teenage years. The kids who are up to no good want the company of other kids who are also up to no good. And if they get a, a good kid in, you know, if they take a good kid into their group, the first thing they want is for that good kid also to start being up to no good. Because nobody likes some having a person in their group who isn't participating or involved in whatever wrongdoing that they're up to. That's just the way it goes, right? Think about bank robbers. Bunch of bank robbers. Well, they don't like the feeling of having people in their group who aren't okay with robbing banks, do they? And unhealthy people are like that. They want you to keep thinking like they do and not question it. So especially at the beginning, when you're trying to escape these distortions in your thought and in your perceptions, it's nice to put distance between you and them so that you can think clearly and work these things out without their influence, their unhealthy influence. Unhealthy people don't like the sudden challenges to their way of thinking, do they? And they want to paint you as being the person who is selfish and bad for wanting to be healthy or for questioning uh, their style of thinking, their style of life. The truth is, is that they're the selfish ones. You know, in their ignorance and in their comfort with their emotional unhealth, that, that style of thinking and life, which is all they've ever known, uh, they really are the assholes. If they only knew what their efforts to keep you thinking like them really, really means, right? Then they would see just how lousy that is of them. But unfortunately, they, they can't see that. So you're not the asshole. They are. And don't spend time with assholes if you can help it. They don't contribute to clear thought and tranquility, which is what you need in order to free yourself from the same mental prisons that they are uh, neck deep in. And you know, many of them won't like it, but that shouldn't surprise you. you know, the bullies at school who used to steal other kids' lunch money well, they also became indignant every time somebody got sick of being mistreated and took a stand for themselves. Right? Unhealthy people are used to treating people however they want to treat them, you know, hurting people in emotional ways and sometimes physical ways. And The moment you, you say, I'm not sure I want to be a part of this anymore, of course they get indignant because you're throwing a wrench into their preferred way of living, the, the way of living that they're comfortable with. Of course they're, they're going to become indignant. Let them. Do what you have to do for yourself. Alright, so, I kind of winged it today. But we got through it. Uh, can't wait to hear how it turns out. Um, folks, 
thanks so much for joining me this week. I hope you got something out of, uh, valuable out of today's show. And uh, my arm hurts. I don't know where that guy manhandled me. It actually was really nice, uh, very conversational and kind of a kindred soul. So he was excited about doing the work for me, and I was excited for him to do it for me as well. I'm, I'm, I'm real happy with it. Been wanting this tattoo for a long, long time. You folks do something nice for yourself this weekend, and I'll see you next week. Same place, same time. Folks, thanks for listening to the show today. I appreciate it. Have a nice weekend. Mm-hmm.